Welcome back to So To Speak's The Closet Series. I'm your host, Christy Mandor. We are continuing with the third and final conversation of our three-part series focused entirely on heart-centered leadership. If you're just catching up, I speak with three leaders who are doing amazing work so that they can share how they do it with their feet on the ground and their hearts staying open, especially in difficult times. These three leaders offer hope in how to courageously navigate the inevitable treacherous waters in business and in life. It's especially meaningful because we're focusing on three organizations who have strong connections with each other and are also based right here where I am in our community of Utica, New York. They are Chobani, the Center, formerly the Refugee Center, and the Compassion Coalition. These three organizations show how when large organizations practice what they preach and collaborate with smaller organizations housed right in the communities that they serve, the sustainable impact is greater as they model for other organizations and communities to do the same. And if you missed my past two conversations with then Chobani president and current CEO of Impossible Foods, Peter McGinnis, as well as Shelly Callahan, the executive director of the center, please make sure to check those out as well. They all tie in together and they're fantastic and they just tie everything together seamlessly. So rounding out our mini series, I am speaking with Rachel Daughtry, who at the time of our conversation was heading the Compassion Coalition as their director of agency relations. Rachel and I discuss how the Compassion Coalition came to be. Yes, it is totally scalable. So definitely listen up. If you are living outside of the Utica area, you can make this happen in your community. It's an incredible organization. And Rachel also shares how the Compassion Coalition creates major contribution and change in our community and beyond. The necessity to be a heart-centered leader and how the Compassion Coalition is collaborating with Chibani and the center. I love how they all share their different perspectives on how much they honor and respect and support each other. It's truly, absolutely amazing. If you're not familiar with the Compassion Coalition, I'm just gonna share a little bit about it because it's we're just so grateful for what it offers our community as well as that they call Utica home. It's a very proud moment. So the Compassion Coalition is funded by their grocery store. So they have this grocery store called Bargain Grocery and it allows them to be self-sustaining and allows their giving to be fluid. So this means that as a nonprofit, they do not rely on any government grants or ongoing funding for any operational costs. That's unheard of. And it allows them to meet needs that would otherwise not be met in our community by other nonprofits, schools, or emergency food pantries due to strict grant regulations. They have more freedom and autonomy, which is absolutely amazing. So I'm gonna throw in the show notes, a bit more information on Compassion Coalition so that you can learn more about them and also just understand how it works and reach out if that's something that you would like to bring to your community, how to even start it. But I'll let Rachel take it from here. So please sit back, relax, and enjoy my conversation with Rachel Daughtry. I hope people reach out to you from other parts of the country because I just feel like you guys all three are really separately, but then also together, 
you're exemplary of just what it takes. This is just three companies, three organizations. Yes, Shobani is a big organization, big company, but there's tons of them all over the place. And if they just got, if everybody just got together in these small, just imagine the magnitude of what can happen. Mm -hmm. That's what we always say too. Like when Peter came, it was so nice because we meet with companies all the time. You know, we're in New York City constantly, not during COVID, but we're there a lot. And when he showed up, it was, you just had this draw to him because we're so like-minded. And Shelly, I mean, I love Shelly. Shelly is fantastic. And our refugee center, now it's called just the center. It really is a model for our nation. It's incredible. So I'm excited. I'm really excited. So I just want you to fill people in on the Compassion Coalition, mm -hmm. just how it came to be. And it's been around for over 20 years, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we're talking about heart-centered leadership, right? And so the way that it was founded is genuinely on heart-centered leadership. And so my dad started it, uh, I think we're going to be 22 in January. Um, but he was flying out of town. He's been a pastor for 40 years. And he picked up our local paper, the Utica OD. And on the front page of the paper was uh, a picture of our local food pantries. And it was someone reaching for the last can of food because the year that we had started, we had a series of really bad winters and um, there was no food left. So we do not have a major food bank in Utica. It goes Albany and Syracuse, Rochester, Buffalo, but we do not have one. And so we're a large city to not have a food bank. And so my dad saw this picture and he just automatically felt this sense of, you know, I need to do something about this. And so everybody laughed at him. You know, I, I was just finishing high school and he came back from being overseas and he was like, I'm going to start a warehouse and we're going to feed people, you know, and everybody was kind of like, oh, okay, all right. And um, the one thing about my dad is he is a visionary person. And so when he says something, he means it. Like he gets stuck on something, he's going to do it. My grandfather was a produce distributor. My two great uncles owned grocery stores. And so automatically he's like, this can't be hard to do. We're going to do it. Sure enough, within a few months, he had a warehouse and he had the product. And he automatically started serving organizations within our communities. And it started to grow from that. Well, after the first year, a lot of people who don't work in the nonprofit industry don't realize that you know, the food is free, right? That you're picking up, but the trucking's not free. The labor's not free. The forklift to unload those trucks is not free. And all of a sudden we're serving, you know, hundreds of agencies and we're actually, it was up to like 120 agencies in central New York within the first year, but he was $150,000 in debt. And he said, I can't, this is not sustainable. There has to be another way because I'm not going to continually ask the same people for money every year. And sure enough, the next year he started Bargain Grocer. So we are one in the same. So Bargain Grocer is our nonprofit grocery store. We're 13,000 square feet. We did not start that way. We started at 1200 square feet. That is in a food desert and brings food accessibility. From that grocery store, Compassion Coalition has been self-sustaining for 20 of we're going to go on 22 years and we give more than 20 million dollars away to our communities so, so how, just like I, my I'm, you're like blowing my mind right now with so much <laughs> what you're saying. i'm like wait, wait a second um 
how are you self-sustaining? Can you walk us through that? Because for anybody, I mean, one of the, I, of course, you're, you're the third part, you're rounding out the three-part series of heart-centered leadership, but one of the reasons I really was so excited to have you on too is because this is such a scalable model, yeah. and it, anybody who's watching this all over the country, like just to give them just a glimpse, and of course, they can reach out to you on Facebook and stuff to get more information, but how, how are you self-sustainable? Can you walk us through how that works? So we have a full blown grocery store. We have a 13,000 square foot nonprofit grocery store. Anybody can shop in our grocery store, right? So the money that is made there, 100% of that money goes right into not just, I mean, we're, we're paying our staff, of course, but it goes into paying the trucking costs, um, the utilities, all of our overhead is covered by that. So we're allowed, now I shouldn't say we're allowed, we're able to do things that no one else can. That was another part of our mission was that my dad didn't want to be just stuck. He didn't want to be just another piece of the puzzle. He wanted to be able to serve where it was needed, when it was needed, and how it was needed. A lot of times what you'll find with nonprofits um, is that everybody is grant funded, right? When you start to get into grants, you don't realize that they're very specific. And so, for example, I'll give you a, a perfect example. You can get a food grant, right? But again, it doesn't pay for the shipping costs. It only pays for that food. So you have to find the extra money to pay for all the other pieces. Whereas we are self-sustaining because of this grocery store, we are able to step in and help when we are needed because we have the funding to do so. So the model is scalable. It's sustainable. It's, um, we actually have people, gosh, I would say twice a month that contact us and say, how can we bring you to our community? And um, even during COVID, you know, I, I, I can't believe the amount of people who have reached out because I'm sure that I loved Peter's talk the other day. I'm going to tell you that. And I can't wait to hear Shelley's. But the one thing that we've really realized is that during COVID, this food insecurity piece has really been brought to light, right? And so working families, all of a sudden, were just, you know, without any funding at all, they're waiting for unemployment. They didn't know how they were going to serve to feed their kids. You know, they didn't know how they were going to serve them dinner, lunch, breakfast, and have them home. And the beautiful thing about our store is we sell everything at reasonable prices because we believe that everyone should have access to healthy, affordable food. Which is such like a it's such a natural link to Chobani. That's such a huge part mm -hmm. of them. Too. Yes. Yeah. It just makes so much sense about yeah. you guys having that collaboration. Mm -hmm. So can you just speak to how that started? We'll start with Chobani and then we'll go to the yeah. center, but just how it yeah. started with you guys having this fantastic collaboration. So uh, Chobani has always been in our backyard. Hamdi was here for many years and he, uh, they've always been very benevolent. I mean, and you know, from firsthand experience, you know, just the, the little things that they do to, you know, just being aware of what's within their community. And so we had heard about Peter, we had heard about how amazing he was, um, but we had never met him. And so just uh, four weeks ago, we finally connected, he came down and right away, it was just, just like I said, you know, when we were talking earlier, it was an instant connection. It was just a natural thing for us because our hearts are so aligned in doing the work that we're both doing. And so 
he immediately got us on the phone with his team and we are so excited. We're going to start to collaborate. Our first step is going to actually be Thanksgiving. So yeah, so this is a little tidbit of information that nobody really knows yet because I just got off the phone with them a few days ago. Um, Every every year we do about 800 Thanksgiving baskets and meals. Um, And so this year Chobani is going to give every family who is receiving those cases of yogurt to go with it. So we're going to do their limited edition flavors. We're really excited about that. And so from there, it's going to progress into some amazing things in 2021. Oh, that's fantastic. I love hearing it. It's such a smooth, it it just makes so much sense. And it's such a smooth collaboration, Mm -hmm. which is also just speaks volumes to just kind of zooming out to the macro level of it's not hard to do, you know? So anybody who's watching this, like it's not hard to merge the sectors together and to work together to literally like I speak so big, I get super passionate about it, but I don't think that it's, um, I don't think I'm over dramatizing it. Like it, it, you're literally healing the world in, in your own way. And it's We're huge. Trying. It's just so, and so huge. I think that's, that's a perfect point because we always say, let's just get it done, right? If we're not going to do it, who is? So let's just, whatever we need to do, let's get that done. Because it's not a big deal. And I feel like we get in our own way a lot of times, right? Even companies, when we meet with companies, you know, we'll sit down and we'll start talking about the logistics piece and you just have to kind of simplify it and say, it's really not that hard. This is what we want to do. We just want to, we want to give access to food and by giving that access to food, oh, hey, you're going to help 60 schools in the process you know, obtain school supplies through our teacher resource center. Oh, and you're also going to help give, you know, half a million dollars away mattresses. So it's, it's a really amazing thing. And it isn't that difficult. We complicate things as humans, right? We do complicate things. And I also feel like it's so easy to feel like, oh, this is one more thing to add. And and you might feel bad saying this because you know that it's something good that you'd be Mm -hmm. doing. You're like, it's one more thing to add. I just don't have the bandwidth to do it. I'm, I'm guessing, I don't know this firsthand because you're like in it with Shivani and with the center, which we're going to talk about Shelly too in a second. You, you, I feel like it would be so surprising that when you do have this collaboration, it's, it's like a natural refuel. Like you're, you're contributing back to the world. So you actually get more energized. Like, of course there might be moments of exhaustion, but I feel like you, there's like a natural refuel that happens from you contributing. Absolutely. And it's funny you bring that up because there are times, and I think this goes along with this heart-centered leadership. You know, you, you know, you know, you work so hard to do these things because you felt led to do them, right? Like I know deep down inside what I'm supposed to do, what my dream is, what my vision is for this community and and what we want to see happen. And sometimes you get discouraged because people will say to you, like, what are you, what are you crazy? Like, why, why would you do that? You know, wh- why would you get involved with this specific group or that specific group um, or in this arena that you're not usually involved in? And then you start to collaborate with a Shelly or a Peter and you see, no, my gut was right. I know exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. This is where I'm supposed to be. This is the path that we're supposed to be on. Yes. And and you're, so you're also making me want to like shamelessly plug 
before heart-centered leadership, I had an intuitive on and she talks all about gut and it's like, yeah. yes, follow your gut, mm -hmm. follow your gut. I heard this great, I'm going to just paraphrase it, but it was like your heart, your gut, right? Your, they know, they know what, and your head knows how. Yes. So start here and then get logical of like how you can make it work. But we so often go here first mm -hmm. and then we could be saving ourselves so much more time because it's scarier to go with your gut, especially when logic oh, yeah. may not make sense. So I just, I love you saying that. And you had also talked about <clears throat> um, your teacher resource center. So before mm -hmm. we shift to Shelly, I, I just would love for you yeah. just to elaborate on that. You guys so, are doing so much stuff. I like, it's so we exciting. Do. I, I actually was meeting with um, our graphic designer earlier before this meeting. And I said to her, I said, I need to just sit down on a Friday and take a time out and just document everything that we do because we don't have a normal day at Compassion. You know, every day we're doing something, but the teacher resource center out of any program that I've created, you know, that uh, over the last few years, this is like, this is near and dear to my heart. This is my baby. Um, you know, I only came on, I think it's going to be six years in January. And, you know, uh, we've always been very involved in our community, but I just felt like we were missing the mark. We we're missing, you know, what we we're supposed to be doing within the schools. So we would do these big backpack giveaways in downtown Utica or different areas. And we do them in the summer. And then we'd talk to the teachers and they'd say they never made them to the schools. Either they were lost or something happened, you know? And so I said, what, we're doing this all wrong. Who knows their students more than the teachers who see them every day? Who can preserve the dignity of these students who are coming in than the teachers who are seeing them every day with the same clothes, without crayons, without pencils? There's no reason that we should be stopping lessons to give a child something that they don't have and embarrass them, right? And so it was a natural progression. We turned a, a section of our warehouse into our store. And we started, uh, because of our grocery store, we were able to purchase products from huge companies, Crayola, um, uh, Bombas Socks, UV Supply Brands, uh, Mead Notebooks, right? And all of a sudden it blew up from just Utica schools to we are now serving 60 schools. Uh, the schools have to be 70% or higher free or reduced lunch, which a lot of schools in our area are. And just from this August, so because of COVID, you know, everything's been kind of crazy, but just August to September, we served over 300 teachers and that's nothing. Rachel, it's insane. Every teacher, Christy, it's, it's incredible. Like to see the teachers come in because I don't think a lot of people realize teachers are spending their own money. 100%. And if you are working in a district that um, is already, you know, in need, you don't have a budget. And so they're going out and the national average is $492. But if you were to speak with an, a local teacher, they're buying snacks, they're buying clothing, they're buying school supplies. And so we wanted to be able to do something that, you know, changed this for them. And it's, it really is, I feel like this is the program that has hit that mark for us. It's, it's so incredible. And how did you expand to 60 schools? I started slow. This was another thing. Like I knew that we, we could go, you know, even bigger than that, but I did not want to fall on my face. And this is another, like, oh, am I doing this too fast? Sure. Or do I need to slow down a little? 
we started with Utica. So in Utica, I mean, we have 11 schools, right? So uh, elementary to high school, we have 11 schools. Um, and then from there, we just started to expand. So now we're all the way out to Canastota. My dream genuinely is to have this Albany and Syracuse as well. Oh, you're so, you're on, you're well on your way. my <laughs> I'm trying, I'm trying. Like in slow and steady wins a race, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, you never hear about these things taking off straight out of the gate. Mm -hmm. It's just not sustainable. And you're obviously doing something right. You obviously know what you're doing. Um, oh, you know what was one thing I wanted to ask you? So about the grocery store, I'm mm -hmm. glad to hear what you said, because I had a moment where I was like, my gut feeling was, I want to shop there because I look at it as a donation to support the Compassion Coalition. Yeah. But then I was like, no, because I don't want to take food away from people. Like I'm very yeah. grateful, very fortunate mm -hmm. that I can buy food. So I was like, I don't want to take food away from people. So I had this moment. So just to oh, have yeah. you say it again, very clearly, yeah. mm -hmm. it yeah. is helping if we can, if we can buy food at Price Shop or whatever, it, it still is helping you guys by donating to the forklifts and to all of the other mm -hmm. resources and supplies needed to keep you guys running. Yeah. The okay. number one thing we tell people all the time is if you really want to get involved, shop with us by all means. You are not, when I tell you, we are getting tractor trailers almost every single day of the week. So we have more than enough. Um, so much so that we have to give to pig farmers at the end of every week, right? Because we don't want to see that go into a landfill. Sure. And so we want people to shop with us. We want you to be able to come in. And we actually just put up signs outside of our store. If you go down the arterial, you'll see we put open to the public because here and, you know, it's, we have a small community. And so people will say that to their siblings or their cousins, you know, you can't shop there. It's only for people in need. It's, it's not. It's helping. Like if we it's shop helping. It's helping and it's such a beautiful, and I love, I mean, cause I've only been there one or two times because I had that moment like, ugh. so I love you clarifying that to everybody who's listening. It makes sense. It, I mean, it really was like a no, it makes, it makes sense, but it's, I also love the vibe inside. I love the people that work there. Um, it's just, you got such a great thing going. And then, and then you were saying that like, were you about to say something? Yeah, I, I love that you brought up that point too, is a lot of people who will read about us or they'll hear about us, they'll watch me on Facebook Live, they've never been in the store. And so when they come in, it's like this aha moment where they're like, oh, oh my God, this doesn't yeah. look like you know a low cost grocery store. And we did that on purpose. We want every single person, I don't care if you have a million dollars or one dollar in your pocket, we want everyone to feel welcome in our, our store. And so the one thing that they'll come in, they'll come in and say, oh my gosh, it looks like a Trader Joe's in here or Whole Foods. Totally. We, you know, we want people to feel yeah. the atmosphere. Yeah. I got a Trader Joe's vibe, like straight out of the gate. We Even love From like the outside, mm -hmm. from the outside, you have that feel. The former president of Trader Joe's, Doug Rao, started a store like ours in Boston. It's called Daily Table um, and it's fantastic. And so we have, you know, really, um, been really great getting to know them he's come up here and so the first time that I met him he just looked like Mr. Trader Joe and so <laughs> he came up and I was like in what, awe. Is that, what does that mean what does Mr. Trader Joe look like he had a Hawaiian shirt on and he is just larger than life he's got to be like over six three and he just I he walked in and I'm like can I hug you because <laughs> Trader Joe's you know so you were saying that because 
if I heard you correctly, you were saying that because of the grocery store that led you to be able to do the warehouse for the teachers, mm -hmm. which then led you to be, ex to be open and create these relationships with, to get furniture, mm -hmm. which I believe is the connector to the center. Yes. Well, there's a lot of, there's a lot of connections there. So, yeah. so Shelly and Tracy, I met them, my gosh, probably five years ago. Now we went and, and met with them and I just have loved them from the day that I met them in our store. We hire people with barriers to employment. And so that could be a language barrier. That could be, um, you know, a past offense that could be someone coming out of substance abuse or mental health, um, or they're continuing to work on themselves. And so we hire, I think uh, as of December of last year, we had 11 languages spoken on our staff and we have a very small staff. Wow. And so, you know, we want to be as involved in our community and the evolution of our community as we can, right? And one of the biggest pieces of that is the center. You know, we love that at Proctor High School, there's 40 languages spoken, at least the last time I checked. So don't fact check me on that, you know, but um, last I checked, there's 40 languages spoken. And so anything that we can do to make our new neighbors feel welcome, you know, we want to do that. So whether it be furniture, whether it be toiletries, whether it be, you know, sending over socks or jackets, um, Legos for new kids that are coming in who have nothing, backpacks, we want to be involved in that. Um, and it's, it's a phenomenal thing. You know, we, we've sent everything from poor Shelly and Tracy. I, at one point I sent them a whole pallet of umbrellas and she said, you know, we're walking over boxes, you know, in different offices because there was so much stuff there. But from there, it's just been a natural progression of collaborations, um, whether it be World Refugee Day or, um, you know, hiring people that um, wouldn't be able to find work other places. It's a phenomenal relationship and I so appreciate them. I, I told them recently that I feel like I have not been able to give as much as they've been able to give to me lately. And so I need to change that when COVID is done because I've had to call them a lot lately for whether it be translation services or um, you know just help with legal issues for our staff but I love that they are there and they are a phenomenal resource to our community. And I have to say there's so many people that are in our community who they're familiar with the Compassion Coalition. They just are not as, it, it's just not as much on their radar. So mm -hmm. do you know why that is? I, I think, you know, it's, it's a great question. And I, I went to a conference about three years ago and somebody said to me, one of the keynote speakers, I was talking to her and she said to me, she goes, you know, honey, she goes, when people tell you that you're the best kept secret in your city, don't take that as a compliment. And I started to laugh, you know, I, was, I thought she was joking. She goes, no, I'm serious. Yeah. She said, because everyone should know about what you're doing. Totally. And the reason that is, is because we've never been about showcasing. We're more about doing. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? I never want to show up to deliver a mattress to a child who's been sleeping on the floor and then put a camera in their face and say, tell me how I change your life today. Yeah. And it's hard because, you know, as a nonprofit, I know that we need to, you know, showcase what we're doing. But at the same time, I have a little bit of a pause in figuring out how to do that. Now we've gotten really good at it in the last five years, I would say that it, we are, you know, starting to gain momentum and more people are hearing about what we're doing. Um, but that's been, 
a, a real topic of conversation. Even today, you know, we're talking about it and how to highlight it. Yeah, it's it's not mutually exclusive, right? Like, so you don't have to be exploitative. Right. And right. you also don't have to be like, we're only, because neither one's, one is obviously not ethical from your standpoint. And the, I think most people's standpoints. And the other one is it's not going to help sustain you guys. So you got, clearly you're doing something right because you're doing a great job, but just in regards to get the word out more. So I'm just, I'm hoping that this kind this conversation is maybe a, a big prompt in the right direction in regards to exposure. Yeah, for sure. No, and I, yeah. absolutely. I mean, we even talk about doing like, you know, almost talking in the third person, you know, and telling these stories. Thank, I'm so thankful though. We have customers in the store that will write me testimonials. And if you ever go to our YouTube page for Bargain Grocer, you'll see a testimonial that came in from a woman who shops in our store that she let us, you know, put to video. And it is just, it literally is incredible, you know, to know that the work that we're doing, you know, is changing lives. Yeah. And, and that makes sense that that would be the way that you go about, I mean, it's firsthand news, right? Mm -hmm. So it's just hearing straight from the horse's mouth, if that's the phrase. Mm -hmm. And it, that's what's going to pull the heartstrings too, mm -hmm. but will make people want to give from a place. It's not just the purse strings, right? So like right. people want to know, the, I, I believe the vast majority of the people and the people who are very much involved with Compassion Coalition, with Chobani, with the center, there's a through line of the type of person who will be connected to all three of you guys. Mm -hmm. And they really care about having a similar value system. They're conscious consumers. Mm -hmm. They're um, brand ambassadors. You know what I mean? Right. They, right. they want to promote for you guys because they believe in what you're doing. And um, oh, yeah, I just, I just think it's incredible. Yeah. No, I think absolutely. I'd love to also hear just what's your definition of what heart-centered leadership means? I was thinking about this last night and, you know, I, I believe it's awareness. I believe it's empathy, you know, it's, and it's something that I believe that it's contagious. Heartfelt leaders, you know, people think that there's pushovers, right? That's a lot of times you hear, oh, they're a health, heartfelt leader. No, like you have to take time to really also re-energize yourself and to take time out for yourself and that self-care piece. Shelly and I talk, so you're, you're leading to a lot of things that Shelly and I talked about in regards to that fine line. Like the, mm -hmm. there's so many wonderful, incredible and rich things about being a heart-centered leader and heartfelt mm -hmm. leader. I love how you're saying that. Then there's that boundary that's needed. Yeah. Right? And, yeah. and so, uh, Shelly and I talked about the importance of self-care, but beyond that, like self-care gets thrown around so much. Also like that right. soul care, like, do you have any best practices for any yeah. fellow heart-centered mm -hmm. and or people who want to become more heart-centered, but maybe there is that fear of like, am I going to get in over my head? And then what are mm -hmm. some best practices to be able to re-engage and re-energize yourself? Well, I think that it, like when we were talking about the fine line piece, you know, my, my therapist always says, I have a phenomenal therapist and she always says, stay in your lane, right? Stay in your lane. You know what you do well, you know what you can handle, stay in your lane. It's, it's so funny because a lot of people, especially, you know, in the nonprofit world, even the corporate world, you know, they either, they want to be able to have their hand in everything. They don't want to say no. Mm -hmm. So it, it's, it really kind of, you have to realize like, you know what, I can do this. I can, I know that I can, 
should I? No, no, I should not. This is my way of staying in my lane. Mm -hmm. Um, The other thing is I had to, for me personally, I had to start saying no more um, because, you know, it's really hard when you work in this field and I'm sure that uh, Shelly and even Peter could, could um, give you some examples. But at one point I felt like my phone was going off 24 seven, but it was never in regards to me person. It was, Hey, can you deliver, you know, an emergency bed at five o'clock on a Friday to this family who has nothing um, when I was already gone or getting my kids? Um, Hey, can you donate this to my kid's school? Hey, can you do this? And for me, all of a sudden, I'm like, oh my gosh, I feel like I've already given out so much. I'm, I'm at a zero right now. And so I've had to take a step back and say, my, it's not my fault if someone plans poorly. Does that make sense? Totally. Like, I, I, I mean, it's such a clear, like you're just speaking you're, you're, you're so clearly having a compassionate boundary, right? Like you're just, it's, you're knowing, you are knowing the line. You're knowing the line. It's not your responsibility for someone else's choices or poor decision-making. But it also takes years to get to that point. I genuinely believe that because if you were to talk to me two years ago, I I wouldn't have said that answer to you. You know, I think you feel like you need to get like, this is a conversation I was having with one of my Michelle Truitt. I'm sure you know, Michelle. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She and I were talking yesterday. We went for a walk yesterday and we were talking like you, you need to almost go to the extreme for you to know what your, like I, she says baseline. I say your sweet spot is like, if you never always gave to the point of depletion, you wouldn't know what it felt like to not like you, you almost have to go there so that you feel like, no, actually this feels pretty good versus Mm -hmm. never giving anything. You just need to be it. Do you agree with that? 100%. And it's great now that with our team that we have at compassion, um, you know, my friend who works right next to me, she'll say to me, no, I'll take care of that. You don't worry about that. It'll be done right down to our delivery guys. We'll say, don't worry about that. We know how busy you are. We will get it done and we will get it done to the best of our abilities. So I think that kind of rolls into, you know, how do you lead, you know, heart centered team, right? You want your team to be on the same path as you, that you want them to really, you know, lead in that way as well, because they're representing, you know, compassion, they're representing bargain grocer. And I think that once you see that from the top down, all of a sudden you feel like I'm a part of this. Like, this is something that I can do. Here's my piece to this puzzle that I'm going to, you know, give back to our community with. By you embodying having those boundaries, you are modeling for your staff. You're modeling for your team. And it's not about being so perfect as a leader, but it is about, practicing what what you preach so you could say to them you don't have to go over give yourself you don't have to give to depletion and then you could be giving to depletion and they're it's just like parenting in a way it's parallel right so they can be like wait she's saying this but and then all of a sudden you're like wait why is why is he or she giving to depletion i told them they didn't have to well am i practicing that so i love hearing that you're practicing it it's not surprising that you're humble enough to admit that it takes years to get there Um, I think anybody who is heart centered knows that that's a strength that they have to build. 
because mm -hmm. your your instinct is to give. So mm -hmm. you have to just be able to receive. I won't even say mm -hmm. take, but just to receive and to be able to pause yourself and and to also realize that in the end, you pausing, you checking in, you being thoughtful about, it sounds like a lot of yours is introspective in regards to like, how is this going to affect so-and-so and so-and-so? Mm -hmm. um, you in the end are benefiting your team, your family, our community, because you're, you're able to give your best self to us versus your depleted self. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. I used to, uh, so before I did this, I was a substance abuse counselor. And so I taught boundary classes, right? I would teach it. I'd never practice it. And, <laughs> you know, I would, no, I'm, I'm serious. Like it, it's really taken years. And, you know, we would always say, I would do this um, group for parents, you know, and I would say to the parents, when you get on a plane, what is the first thing they teach you? What is one of the first safety rules? If this plane loses oxygen, what happens? You put it on who first? Yourself, right? And then you put it on your child or your companion because you're not going to be able to get two rows behind you before you pass out. But it took me, when I tell you years, it took me years to really, you know, practice what I preached. <laughs> and, and I, I can see everybody years. And I think that as soon as you think you get it down, there's a stronger situation that comes up that your boundary has to be even more just kind of shifted or flexible, kind of like, okay, I thought I had it down. I don't know if you ever get it down. I think that it's when you die. I think that there's constant. <laughs> so fortunately you have a pulse and you realize that, and that's when the boundaries just keep on strengthening you you just keep but i do think that you probably get a good feel for it you know what i mean like you probably get like okay it's, it makes it a little easier mm -hmm. to it's say a work no. in progress. Yeah. it's a work in progress for sure uh love the roses did you guys just have an anniversary no we get we uh you have to come down to bargain grocer because we get in the best flowers almost every week how is mm -hmm. this not part? So this is absolutely i'm so glad that i saw those flowers because no yeah. one would know that no. And let me tell you, this is, this is really sweet. So you never know, like the little things, you know, make the biggest difference, right? So um, sometimes I'll go over to the store. I always instruct our, our staff too, that if you see somebody who's having a bad day, give them a bouquet of flowers, you know, but um, I was at the checkout last year. It had to be like around Thanksgiving time. And, you know, we were back. I always go over there sometimes like on a Friday night and I'll just clean or I'll bag. And uh, this woman said, I love coming in here because this is the only place where I can treat myself. You know, she goes, and I'm on a very limited budget. She goes, but I love being able to come in here and get roses or daisies or whatever you have that week, tulips. And so I thought that was really special, you know, that that's something that would just, you know, make somebody's week or day. So Rachel, we constantly are hearing all of these things that COVID has done to us and we can get together and have like a party about anti-COVID for sure. But I'm wondering if you could share one thing that COVID has done for you. I think simplified things. We've had to go back to the simplicity of basically everything. Um, I, I was thinking about it this year. I've never spent so much time, you know, I've always worked, but I've never spent so much time at home with my kids uh, because I've been working since my kids were, you know, five weeks old. And so this year and just watching them grow, my kids are all at that age where they just have sprouted up to my oldest son is taller than me. Um, so that's been really great. 
and just simple things like cooking. Like I think a lot of people would say that, you know, recipes that I've always been wanting to make, you know, I've been able to do and, and, you know, get down pat. So that's something that's I'm thankful for. When people want to learn more about the Compassion Coalition, where can they go? So you can go to distributehope.org. We also have uh, our Facebook page. So it's Bargain Grocery or Compassion Coalition on both Facebook and Instagram. Super easy. Mm -hmm. I love yeah. it. Mm -hmm. but thank, thank you so much. much. Thank you. Thank you, every the whole entire team that extends out to the drivers of the forklifts and everybody for everything that they're doing to just continue to do just to make the mission of the Compassion Coalition thrive and be alive and well. It's just, it's such incredible work. And I'm so proud to say you guys are part of our community. Thank you so much. I appreciate it.